If you have your Bibles, go ahead and take those out. And I'd like for you, if you would please, to turn to, I know we read Proverbs 31. That's almost a cardinal sin if you come to church on Mother's Day and nobody reads Proverbs 31. I mean, that's just the, the, the passage of all passages for moms. But I want to glean a little bit out of 1 Samuel chapter number 1 and chapter number 2 today. And I just want to try to share some, um, some principles. I call it habits of some D6 moms, Deuteronomy 6 moms, godly moms. Some things that I think would be beneficial for us all. But this is Mother's Day, you know. And how many have ever heard of those, um, of those uh, how, how many understand and know that Mom's Dictionary and the American Webster's Dictionary may not be exactly the same? You know, Mom has her own vocabulary, do they not? Mothers do in general. They have their own vocabulary. Matter of fact, mothers can speak without saying a word. But you know that moms have their own vocabulary. Matter of fact, um, I pulled out some of the uh, words and their meanings out of what we're going to call mom's dictionary, okay? For instance, do you realize that the word feedback for a mother, it means the inevitable result when the baby doesn't appreciate the strained carrots. You know, you've all been there. You've experienced that. Full name, what does that mean? Well, that's what you call your child when you're angry with your child. You know, that's when you get the full name. I remember when my mother would say, Jonathan. And my, you may not even have known that my name was Jonathan, but that's my name. I go by John, but I always, and she always called me John. Uh, most of the time, she preferred Jonathan. But I knew when I was in trouble, it was Jonathan Lee. Boy, I knew that mom was hot. You been there, done that? Most mothers are like that. What about the definition for grandparents for moms? Well, the definition for, for grandparents, for mothers, is this. They are the people who think your children are wonderful, even though you're not doing such a good job raising them. Have you ever had grandmas come in and tell you you should be doing it this way or you shouldn't be doing it that way, and there's always a different... But you know what? It's amazing that if, if grandmother was now the mother, she would not let the kids get by with things that they let kids get by with, that the grandma lets kids get by with, Right? I mean, there's just a difference there. Independent for a mom means this. It's how we want our children to be as long as they do everything that we say. What about a puddle? A puddle is a small body of water that draws other small bodies wearing dry shoes into it. What about a show-off? The meaning of that for a mother is that means that it's a child who has more talent than yours. <laughs> that child's just a show-off. What about sterilize? Here's a good one. For a mom, sterilizes this. It's what you do to your first baby's pacifier by boiling it and to your last baby's pacifier by blowing it off and licking it. <laughs> Boy, I've seen moms do that. You can always tell the mother of a first child, can you not? I mean, they're so worried about germs. By the time you get two and three, just whatever, you know? Dust it off and stick it back in the, in the mouth. Boy, that's so funny. I thought you'd enjoy that one. What about the two-minute warning? Mom has her own definition of that. That's when the baby's face turns red and she begins to make those familiar grunting noises. You know that's the two-minute warning. you got to go back to the diaper days, okay, to understand that one. What about who done it? That's none of the kids in her house. Right? 
None of them every day. So moms have their own, their own dictionary and their own set of meanings with their own words. I've also found that mothers have to be some of the most patient people that I know. Now, there are things that can send dad over the edge that mom just has a way of just kind of calming everything down, right? For instance, here's an example. A little boy sent to bed by his mom, and, and he goes to bed. She kisses him goodnight and leaves the bedroom. Five minutes later, little Johnny says, Mom? And you know how mom answers. What? <laughs> I'm thirsty. Can you bring me a glass of water? Mom says, No. You had your chance. Lots out. Five minutes later. Mom? You know how mom's answering now, don't you? What? I'm thirsty. Can you bring me a glass of water? No, she says. And if you ask me again, I'm going to come in there and spank you. Now go to sleep. Five minutes later, little Johnny says, Mom? Trying mom's patience, right? Mom says, What? Little Johnny says, When you come in here to spank me, will you bring me a glass of water? <laughs> Boy, is that not true for most kids and most, most moms? I mean, moms have tremendous patience. And then there are the momisms. I mean, these are just the lessons that, that, that just bypasses all borders of time and all culture and, and, uh, and just kids everywhere and moms everywhere have these momisms. And I've found them to be, be true pretty much anywhere you go. I mean, here's some sayings of mom. Matter of fact, I had a whole list and I had about two pages. I mean, I found about 50 of these or 60 of these momisms. And I tried to whittle it down to, uh, to just a few. And I won't even hit everything that's on my list. But here's a few momisms. Don't make that face or it'll freeze in that position. You ever heard that from mom? Here's another one. Be careful or you'll put your eye out. Or here's, here's one. If everyone jumped off the cliff, what comes next, mom? Would you do it? You know, every mom everywhere says these things. Maybe some of your mothers said this. You have enough dirt behind those ears to grow potatoes. Close that door where you raised in a barn. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Be careful what you wish for. It just might come. You see, all you guys know these. I mean, this just family lines and socioeconomic lines. No, there's no boundaries for this. These are the momisms of, of the entire world. Now, here's one, and I'll probably stop with this one. Here's one that I have found to be true. Every mother I've ever talked to at some time or another, and me as a pastor, it takes a little time for a mother to get comfortable enough around me to be able to let me know that she even believes this and says this. Here's one. Always change your underwear because you never know when you might have a what? I don't understand that one. I don't care if I've got holes in my underwear, if I have a car wreck. I want the paramedic just to take care of me. But every mom that I've ever known of is worried to death that little Johnny, little Susie, or dad is going to have a car accident and have on a pair of dirty underwear or a pair of underwear that have holes in them. Is that not true? I mean, I guess every mom everywhere has, has said something like that. Oh, oh there's many more, but I, I've got to go on. I found this, um, this, this writing by Rhonda, Rhonda Ray. And uh, in her book, Amusing Grace, she was writing directly to mothers. And this is what she said, and she was, the subject was super mom, okay? And she's writing in reference to that in her book. She says, 
Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. Oh, let's get real. The only place we'll find Supermom is in the comics. Unless, of course, we're talking about that incredible Proverbs 31 superhero virtue woman. That virtuous woman has long been, and she gives three um, definitions or adjectives, I guess you will, of this woman. That woman has long been a wonderful inspiration, a super motivation, and a great frustration for those of us who feel we can't measure up. While the Lord has used her to send me in the right direction more than once, I have to confess to never have actually arrived at the destination. The destination, as you might guess, has been to become Mrs. Proverbs Perfect. Martha Stewart, Mother Teresa, June Cleaver, and Wonder Woman all rolled into one strong, industrious, benevolent lump of creativity. She goes on to write, If you see an S on my shirt, it's most likely a stain. Probably means I'm having another bad laundry day. But if I were labeled as a hero, the S would have to stand for something more like survival woman. The basic goal for survival woman is to keep all five children in relatively, here we go again, clean underwear in case they're in an accident. Make sure they don't run with any sharp objects and raise those children without misplacing any of them. She goes on to write, What the Lord has for your ministry may not be exactly the same as the Proverbs 31 woman. In parentheses, she puts, you all now can breathe a sigh of relief. You don't have to do everything she does to be successful. In parentheses, another sigh. True virtue is becoming a woman who loves and serves and honors the Lord. And if you honor your God and love your children, then you are a super mom. And Supermom still keeps her finger in Proverbs 31, but she saves the superhero syndrome for the comics. And I thought that was pretty good, the way she summed up a little bit about the, the Supermom. Well, I think we found maybe a Supermom, or what I want to call a super, not in a comic hero uh, sense of the word, but what I found, what I think is a great mother, is in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter number 2. So open your Bibles there, if you will, please. And we're going to glean some from this passage of Scripture. In verse number 1, we are introduced to Hannah's husband, Elkaniah. Now, Elkaniah was a godly man. and He was a man that loved his wife. I still think he and all these other guys that had multiple wives in the Old Testament are disobeying God because the very first command or origin that we see of marriage is one woman and one man. Many of them, I think, were living, I think, in sin in this with many wives. Anyway, nonetheless, he had two wives. I don't know what he was thinking, do you? Sorry. He had two wives. In verse number two, we see his first wife's name was Hannah, and the second was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah was childless. In verse 3, this man would go up from his town every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. We come down to verse 4. Whenever Elkanah offered a sacrifice, he always gave portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to each of her sons and daughters. But get verse 5. He gave a double portion to Hannah... For he loved her even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Now I find that interesting 
that the Lord had kept her from conceiving. And just let me call a time out right here. You see, for, for the ladies, the sign of your worth has nothing to do with whether you are able to have children or not. Your value was symbolized on the cross when God gave His Son for your life and the life of everyone in the world. But for Hannah, and I find that interesting, the Lord had a plan for her life, and He kept her from conceiving. I pulled my wife into my study yesterday. And I said, I want you to look at this. Because verse 6 and following was troubling somewhat for me. In verse number 6, it says that her rival, who would that be? Who's the rival? Peninnah, the other wife of Elkanah. Her rival, look what her rival did, would taunt her severely just to provoke her. Because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. And whenever she went up to the Lord's house, her rival, once again, taunted her in this way every year. And Hannah wept and would not eat. How cruel. Can you you believe that someone would be that mean? That cruel? Knowing that Hannah could not conceive, and she had sons and daughters, and she would taunt Hannah to the point that Hannah was broken, just being mean to make her cry. You know what's sad? Is that I still see this kind of stuff happening today. It may not be over the issue of whether you can have children or not, but I still see people just being mean to other people, just to hurt them for no apparent reason. How sad. And God forbid, unfortunately I've seen it in the church, but God forbid that that be a habit that continues in the church of God. Hello? Guys, be careful what you say and what you do and what you're in part of. Don't intentionally set out trying to hurt somebody. Penina did that. Sorry, I told you a lie yesterday. <laughs> we, we were talking about this, and then I got on down to the guy part. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get on the guys here in just a minute. And Debbie said, are you going to bring this out tomorrow? I said, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm going another direction. I just want to show you that. I can't get it off my mind. I'm just amazing. So forgive me. Verse number 8, Hannah. Now, now get this. Here comes Elkaniah. Here comes the husband. Here comes the guy. Here comes the dad. Look what he says. Hannah, why are you crying? Her husband Elkanah asked. Why won't you eat anything? Or why won't you eat? You know, he's concerned. Why are you crying? Sorry, Troy, I added anything right there. That's, <laughs> Troy, we got him a translation just like mine. He told me, he said, I'm following you word for word in that thing today. He said, why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than ten sons? <laughs> Here it is, guys. Sometimes us guys, we just don't get it, do we? I mean, here is Elkaniah, the husband of Hannah. Hannah's, now, apparently this happens every single year. The Scripture just said that every year that Peninnah provokes her 
gets her to the place where she's weeping and crying because she can't have children. But understand, that was the Lord's plan for her life. And the Lord has a plan for all of us, according to Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Every year, Peninnah would provoke, provoke Hannah to the point that she was broken and crying and weeping. And oh, Elkanah, you know, he's just doing his thing. You know, he's providing, he's kind of doing his thing, and leading the family and taking them up to worship and giving the meat. And, and why, why are you crying, Hannah? <laughs> you know what? I breathed a sigh of relief when I, when I just ran across this yesterday. And I put, De- look, Debbie, look. Us guys, we just don't get it. It's not that we don't want to. It's not that we don't want to understand. We just don't get on that same wavelength from time to time as the ladies are our, our own. Guys, would you say amen right there? You see, I just bailed you out and I gave you a tremendous passage of Scripture that you'll be able to use the rest of your life on why you just didn't see it and you just didn't get it and you can make apologies and there you are with O.L. Elk and I. And I've been right there many times. <laughs> he just didn't get it. Hannah, <laughs> why are you crying? And Hannah got up after they ate and drank at Shiloh and Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's tabernacle. Verse 10 describes Hannah once again, deeply hurt. Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. As I try to share with you some virtues, some habits, some principles in the life of a godly mom or a D6 mom, the first thing I want you to write down is D6 moms pray. You see, Hannah was broken. Hannah was upset. Rightly so. You've got to understand in the Jewish culture, in the culture of that day, in the surrounding areas even, especially in the Jewish culture, you weren't looked on very well as a, as a lady, as, a, as a, uh, a woman, if you were not able to have children. And especially if you had a male child, you were lifted up on a pedestal because it just may be that out of your lineage may come the promised Messiah. The Christ. Everyone was hoping and praying that they would be of that lineage. And so every mother and every woman, when she would birth a child, was really hoping to have a boy. But of course, they would raise the girls as well. But they were, you were just, there was a little bit more honor for having a, a male child in the culture of that day. Hannah had neither. She was really looked down upon. And it did not help that Peninnah taunted her. Endlessly, to the point that she was broken and weeping and crying before the Lord. She had a problem, but I want you to notice what she did with the problem she prayed. Now, moms, you're going to have problems. You're going to have issues. You're going to have hard places to get through. You're going to have deep valleys to walk through. And there's going to be great hurt and pain that will be in your life as a result of a lot of different variables out there and circumstances. But what do you do? Do you kick and fight and scream and whine and carry on and make everybody? No, you just pray. Hannah discovered that she just needed to pray. And that's what we find her doing. You see... Moms are the, are the finders and fixers in the home, are they not? I mean, I know how it is in our house. If a shoe is missing 
or a sock is not matched up correctly, who's supposed to know where the missing shoe is or the missing homework assignment or the missing sock? Who knows where the missing items are, regardless whether it's hers or not? Who is it that we go to to find the missing item? Mom. Mom, where is it? And you know, the funny thing is, most of the time she knows exactly where it is, and she would tell me where to go, and I'll go there and look, and I still can't see it. I don't see it. Any of you guys with me right there? How do you see it? I don't see it. And she'll walk right up and pick it up, and there it was, right before me, but I just didn't see it. You know, moms are the finders in the home. I mean, they just find things, and if it's missing, moms are supposed to know where it is. But not only are moms expected to know where everything is, they're also expected to fix things. I'm not talking about mechanical things. I'm not talking about the guy things out in the garage. I'm talking about the scraped knee. You know, if a, if a little child can just get that scraped knee or elbow or that boo-boo, just get it to mama, all mom has to do is kiss it. Whether she kisses right on it or beside it, as long as she does something like that, everything's okay. Little Johnny's okay. Everything's fixed. He'll go on his way. But mom's got to be there for that. But guys, you know something? There's some problems in a mother's life that she can't fix. There are some things in your life that you just can't solve by yourself. And I want to encourage all of our moms and all of our ladies. matter of fact, this applies to everybody. We all, and moms, need to be people of prayer. Hannah had something in her life that she couldn't fix. And so she prayed. The second thing I want you to see, not only did she pray, but she was also thankful. Now, Hannah was a very thankful person whenever the Lord heard and answered her prayer. And by the way, I didn't read the entire chapter, but he did hear her prayer. He did answer her prayer. He gave her a son. She took that son back up to the temple after she had weaned him. And she was very thankful. By the way, the Lord gave her more sons and daughters after Samuel. He blessed her. But the initial plan was not for her to conceive. But then, through a series of events, he blesses her with more And she is very, very thankful. Look, if you will, in verse number 20 of chapter 1. And it says, After some time Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, because she said, I have requested him from the Lord. She was very, very thankful for this young man that she named Samuel. Now, here's, here's something. Here's a little word study I want you to get. I want you to look, if you will... Look in verse number 20. You'll see where she named him Samuel. And the Bible says, because what? I requested him of the Lord. Now, I want you to look in chapter 2 and verse number 26. Chapter 2 and verse number 26. It said, by contrast, the boy Samuel grew in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. Are you tracking me here? Look, if you will, it says in verse number 26 that the boy Samuel grew in stature. That just means physically he grew. He grew in favor with the Lord. That means spiritually he grew in favor with the Lord. And he grew in favor with men. Socially, he grew in favor with men. Now, I want you to look back, if you will, in chapter 1 in verse number 26. After Hannah brought Samuel to the, to, to the temple, to Eli, and left him there... It says in verse number 28, the latter part of it, that then he, who is he? He is Samuel, the young boy. Then he bowed and worshipped the Lord there. Young Samuel 
bowed and worshipped the Lord there. Now I want you to think just for a moment. Who do you think it is that taught young Samuel how to worship? Hello? It's his mother. She kept him until he was weaned. Now a lot of times in our culture, we, we kind of think, okay, that means so he's no longer being breastfed. So apparently, whatever that age would be, very young, she takes him to Eli. Well, she doesn't take him as a little toddler to Eli. In the biblical sense of the word, whenever it means in the Hebrew culture, when one was weaned, it's probably about the age of five years old that this mother, Hannah, took her child, Samuel, to Eli the priest and left him there. I mean, Eli's an old man. She couldn't just take a toddler there. She had to take a five-year-old, about five-year-old, a young boy that could do things pretty much for himself that was somewhat independent. But I want you to notice what he did in verse 28 of chapter 1. It said he bowed and he worshipped the Lord there. Who taught him to worship? Hannah. And the Bible says that he continued in chapter 2, verse 26, to grow in stature physically and in favor with the Lord spiritually. And with men, socially. Who do you think laid that foundation in the life of young Samuel? Hannah, that mother. Matter of fact, just for a quick reference and just because we can go there, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2 and verse number 52. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 52. It's speaking about Jesus and how Jesus was in favor with God and in favor with all people. But in verse number 52 it says, Luke 2, 52, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom, that's intellectually, and in stature, that's physically, and in favor with God, that's spiritually, and with people, that's socially. I mean, there was a foundation in the life of our Lord that most likely was laid by His mother, Mary. As she was raising him, I understand, yes, he's God. And I'm not trying to split hairs there. I'm just trying to get you to see the role of a mother. Moms, it's very important that we realize that our children are a gift from God. And we are just stewards of them. And Hannah was very thankful for the gift that she got from God. And she raised him in a way that would be pleasing unto the Lord. She taught him how to worship He became in favor spiritually, in favor with God, in favor with men. She taught him how to interact in the the community. In in Luke 2.52, Jesus increased in in wisdom, intellectually. Guys, those are, to me, I really feel, by by the way, Luke 2.52 is the scripture that we used as a principle to homeschool our kids at at an early age. And Tyler was homeschooled all the way through the 8th grade. Tyler was home, or Kristen was homeschooled uh, through the, to, until the 6th grade. And then we put him in public school. But we didn't homeschool because we were anti-government. We didn't homeschool because we were anti-social edu- or uh, public education. Although some of that may be a factor today. But that's not the reason we homeschooled. The reason we homeschooled initially was Luke 2.52. We really felt like we need to lay a foundation in our kids' life that it was our responsibility to lay, not the government's responsibility to lay that foundation in the life of our children. Hello? Now, once we felt the foundation was laid, then we wanted to put them in so they could go on and grow um, more in wisdom and, and, and uh, with their education. 
But then if they made a mistake, they're in our home and we can help them through that. But we felt it very, very important. Now, this is just us. I'm not telling everybody you have to do this. But I am saying that you better start paying attention to the foundation that we as parents and, and particularly, particularly mothers need to be laying in the life of our children. Samuel grew in favor with God, in favor with man, spiritually, socially. He grew physically. And Jesus, it added that Jesus grew in wisdom. And I think it's the responsibility of the parent, not the government. You see, we outsource things way too much. By the way, one, one quick note right here, and I may just have to let, give you the fill in the blanks for the rest of this sermon if I get too long here. But I think this is worth you knowing. Look, if you will, in chapter 1, in verse number 20. It says, and after some time, Hannah conceived, gave birth to a son, and she named him what? Samuel. Because she said, I requested him of the Lord. In the Hebrew, we say Samuel. But in the Hebrew, do you realize how they called his name? And I won't do it justice. But it was something to the effect of Shemuel. Shemuel. I want you to turn back in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Every Jewish family knew of the Shema. What was the Shema? It's the root word that Hannah used to name her son Shemuel, which we call Samuel. The Shema is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's the Shema. Every Hebrew family knew of the Shema. Hear, O Israel, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, He is one. That's the Shema. But there's a declaration at the beginning of the Shema that every Hebrew knew. Hear, O Lord. O listen, Israel. You know what Hannah's doing because she's so thankful for this first son? She named him after the Shema, which, by the way, goes on and says what our duty as a parent is. That we are to be teaching and training our children when they rise up in the day and when they lay down at night and when they walk by the way. That's Deuteronomy 6. The Shema. Hannah lived that. But she wanted everyone to know that her son, Shemuel, was named after the Shema. Which just simply means that my God heard my prayer. Our God listens. Our God hears. And guys, I'm here to tell you today. We need to learn how to be a praying people with a thankful heart because we have a God who hears and answers our prayers. Amen? Oh, that's good stuff. I feel like I ought to be like, a little bit like old Bishop Larry Jackson. You guys don't hear me. That's what he would say. You're not listening. You're not getting what I'm saying. Sorry, Bishop Jackson, I stole that line from you. Guys, you realize, that moms, you're going to have problems. 
you're going to have issues that you can't solve. And that's when you need to learn how to pray. And you need to pray with a thankful heart, knowing that God will hear and answer your prayers. I've asked my wife to come and read Hannah's prayer of thanksgiving, which is found in 1 Samuel chapter 2, in verses 1 down through verse number 10. That's fine. She's going to be reading out of the NIV, which is fine. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 down through verse number 10. This is the prayer of thanksgiving that Hannah prayed unto the Lord. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one, no one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. And the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she has, has many children, has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillar of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointing. Then Elkanah went to the house of Ramah, but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. Amen. Thank you. What you find there is Hannah's triumphant prayer of thanksgiving to our God. And you'll see where she, she called out to him as her rock. And, and she praised God for his attitudes and for his actions, that he's, he's knowledgeable and he's holy and he's strong and he's just. I guess let me ask you a question. Mother, does your daily attitude reflect the attitude of Hannah as being a thankful, joyful person? Matter of fact, moms... Do you realize that you are the barometer in the house? You heard the old saying, if, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. You, you've heard that, right? Mothers set the barometer, barometer in the house. Moms, are you a grateful person? Are you a joyful person? Are you a kind person? Or are you a grouch? Hello? I'm not going to say who's, who's who. I'm not even going there. But I just want you to answer that. There's some grouchy people. I mean, just hateful, mean-spirited, grouchy people in this world. Moms, don't let that be you. You set the barometer in that house. And people, ought to, people ought to be excited about being around you and the joy that you, that you bring. Number three, jot this one down if you will, please. These six moms have respect for others. Look, if you will, in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 15. 
Hannah's answering Eli. Matter of fact, Hannah's praying and she's calling out to God. And Eli thought she was she was drunk and he scolded her. And and he even asked her in verse 14, how long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. And verse 15, she says, no, my Lord. No, my Lord. She respected Eli as a man of God. And she called him Lord. Matter of fact, she even respected her husband. He loved her dearly. Matter of fact, the scripture teaches that whenever he would go up and offer sacrifices and worship to the Lord, that he would bring back portions of the meat and he would give a double portion to Hannah because he loved her so much and she loved him in return. There was, there was great respect that Hannah gave to her husband and that Hannah gave to the man of God and that she gave to others around her. Now, moms, listen. We need to learn how to be respectful. And we live in a culture... Hold on here. It may get a little bumpy. Okay? Buckle up. We live in a culture. We live in a society, especially as you watch TV, sitcoms, and movies, where they demoralize the position of the man in the home. I mean, he's the brunt of all jokes. Everybody rolls their eyes at at dad. Everybody, oh, he's, he's an idiot. He don't know what he's talking about. What is the agenda there? The agenda there is to destroy the home. You see, because dad is the leader of the home. Now, listen, there's many times when I don't even like being the leader. There's times when I, I don't even want to make a decision. But you know what? That's what God called me to be. I didn't volunteer for it. I didn't send out a memo to my parents before I was conceived and say, listen, I don't want to be a man. I want to be a woman because I don't want to. Listen, I had no control. God put me in this position. And along with this position comes responsibilities. Hello? And in this position and in this responsibility, men. Now, you know what? I guess to some degree, looking at the other side of the coin, I guess the media in our culture today probably has a right of making fun of some men. Because there's some men that aren't being godly men. There's some men that aren't rising up and being the leader in their home they're supposed to be. Man, there's some wimpy, sissified men out there in that world today. Let me just call a spade a spade. Hello? I mean, there's some men out there that I see. Is that a man? We're in the mall last night, walked by, and two walked by me. I said, Look, is that, are those men? Hey, they, they look girly to me. Hey, men, be men. I like a man to be a man. Hello? Somebody say amen. Be a man. Raise your boys to be men. And with that comes some responsibilities. But you know what? In the home, a lot of times the moms will not allow or the wives will not allow their husbands to be the men and the leader of that home. That's not right. Hannah respected her husband. She followed him up to worship as he went every year. She loved him. And she respected the man of God, Eli. So, by the way, guys, especially moms, remember that your children are watching. They're watching, mom, how you treat dad. They're watching the eye rolls. They're watching the disgust on your face. They're listening to the times when you may belittle him. 
in front of the whole family or in front of others, you're messing up. Because more is caught than taught by our children. They're watching. And they're watching the way you treat each other in the home. Hannah had respect for her husband. She had respect for Eli. And she had respect for others. And always remember this, guys. Respect one another. I'll stop right there. There's more I could say. Habit number four. I got I to gotta get through this. I got, man, I'm way too long already. Habit number four. These six moms are women of integrity. These six moms are women of integrity. Look, if you will, in verse number 11. She prays and she makes a vow in her prayer. Chapter 1, verse 11, 1 Samuel. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of hosts, if you would take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me and give your servant a son. Look what she says. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and his hair will never be cut. Go over to verse number 22, same chapter. Hannah did not go and explain to her, her husband and after, or pick up, after the child is weaned, I'll take him to appear in the Lord's presence and to stay there permanently. Down to verse 24. When she had weaned him, remember this is about the age of three to five. I believe it was closer to five than three, but about the age there would be the time that a child would be weaned in the Hebrew culture. When she had weaned him, she took him with her to Shiloh. Though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house in Shiloh. I, I just want you to say, I just want to try to insert this. Hannah was a lady of her word. I mean, she prayed. She said, God, you give me a son, I'll bring him to you and I'll leave him there. Don't you think that after the time that had gone by, three to five years at least, nine months of pregnancy, and possibly even six years had gone by since she had prayed that prayer, don't you think the temptation was there for Hannah to say, oh, you know, God, God gave me a son, but... He probably will understand that I love this child so much, and I'm just not going to do that now. I'm just going to, he'll, he'll understand. Isn't it amazing how we try to negotiate with God? When she said, God, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you to serve in the, in the tabernacle, in the temple with Eli. I'll give him back to you there. And after possibly up to six years later, she was a lady of her word. And guys, that's what we need to be. Moms need to be women of integrity. Hannah kept her word, even though it was difficult, to say the least. All right? Let, let me just go on a little bit further. Habit number five. These six moms have love and concern. I mean, look, if you will, in verse number 19. It says, The next morning Elkanah and Hannah got up early to, to bow and to worship the Lord, and afterwards they... Um, returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife and Hannah and the Lord remember and she, she had and she conceived uh, this son. If you go on a little bit further you'll see um, I'm looking for the scripture and I've, I've lost it right now. To where she she made a coat. Oh here it is. Chapter 2. Chapter 2 in verse number verse number 19 or verse 18. Chapter 2 verse 18. The boy Samuel served in the Lord's presence Verse 19, each year, here's what I want you to see. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. I mean, this was a mother that genuinely loved, had love and concern for her family. 
And guys, I don't even need to preach this one long, but mothers, of all people, should be the most loving people in the entire world. I can't imagine a mom not having love and concern for her family, although in our world today, I guess we'd be amazed to see how many mothers do not exhibit or show that godly love for their family and their children. But moms, I want to encourage you to to love your family and love your children. Number six, I'll stop with this one. We'll be done. And I think this one's a good one. These six moms know that the world is evil. But get this. They know that God is greater than sin, and He can protect her children. You see, guys, you got to understand, even in Hannah's day, the world was evil in Hannah's day. A lot of times we look around and we think, boy, the world's the worst it's ever been. No, 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 no. <laughs> Evil's nothing new. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says there's nothing new under the sun. The evil and the sin that we see all around us, that's not new. I mean, it's been there ever since sin entered into the world. It's been an evil time. But godly mothers know that they serve a God who is greater than the sin in this world and that He can protect their children while they are living in this godless, if you will, lifestyle and culture and society of sin. Let me give you a case in point for Hannah. Look, if you will, in chapter number 2. Let's begin in, uh, in verse number 12, chapter 2. Now, now, now Hannah's taken Samuel up to Eli, to the temple, to leave him there. But she knows a little something about Eli's boys. She knows that they are wicked, vile young men. And she's taken her son into that environment, but she has confidence that God is greater than the sin in the community around her and that God can protect her children even though she's going to be true to her word and leave her son Eli there. Look, verse 12, or Samuel there. Verse 12. Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord or for the priest, share the sacrifices from the people. I mean, Eli's boys were wicked, wicked men. If you go over to verse number 22, it says that now Eli was very old, 1 Samuel 2, 22. And he heard about everything his sons were doing to all of Israel and how they were sleeping with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. I mean, they're coming in to, to offer sacrifice. Eli's boys are committing adultery and laying with these women and sexual immorality taking place. I mean, wickedness and sin. But Hannah knew. Now that's why verse number 26 says, by contrast. In contrast to what? In contrast to the wickedness of Eli's son, Samuel grew to be a godly man. In the midst of all the sinfulness that was surrounding even the temple of that day, Hannah knew that God was greater than the sin, that He would protect her son, and the Bible says that he grew, and we go on to read the rest of the story, Samuel became a great, great man of God. The point was, Hannah knew, or Hannah knew that God would protect her son in the midst of a sinful world. Guys, we live in a sinful world. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to look around and see that. But I'm, I'm here to tell you today that we serve a God in heaven. He knows what's going on in the world. But he's greater. The scripture says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 
And he will protect you. He will protect your family. He will protect your children. But what we need to be doing, we need to be praying a hedge around them and say, God, I know we live in a wicked environment. I know we live in a sinful world. I pray, dear God, I know you're greater. I pray you protect my family and raise them up to be godly young men and women. Hannah knew that. Moms, I want to encourage you with that today. Leave you with that last principle. That God will take care of your kids. You do your part. You pray for them. You be thankful to God. You be a lady of integrity. You be a joyful person. You raise them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And God will take care of the rest. Amen? I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, we wrap up our service today. Moms, let me just ask you a few questions. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me ask you a few questions. Number one, do you take the time to pray for your children every day? Pray for them every day? Are you a thankful and a joyful person? Or would others consider you grouchy? Do you continually show respect to others, especially your husband? Or do your words reflect disrespect? Do you do the right thing even if no one is watching? Are you relying on God's help to enable you to set and live the right example of God's love in your family? Do you worry about your children or do you trust God to protect them? My prayer is today that every single one of us would live in the principles that we find in Hannah's life that I've shared with you this morning. Let's develop some of these habits in our life. Father, as we have this time of reflection and meditation, I pray, dear God, you'd speak to our hearts. As I've tried my very best to share some of the teachings of 1 Samuel, Pray, God, you take the words that have been spoken. You would penetrate our heart and our lives. Transform us. And change us to be people, men and women of God. God, I pray for our mothers today. Ask your blessings, Lord, to rest upon them. May they draw strength from you. May you, God, give them wisdom. God, I know the days are tough and evil we're living in. But they were also in Hannah's day. And through her, you raised godly Samuel. We pray, God, for our Samuels and our Hannahs today. And ask you to raise a generation of young people through our godly parents that are sitting here in this church. Use our families for your glory. 